All right, Paul, I'm going to start this uh, this episode a little bit different than we have um, in, in episodes past. Uh, I'm going to start actually with a passage of scripture. So this is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Welcome to the reviewers. We're on a mission from God. Ben, you nailed it. You followed the Holy Spirit right to the perfect passage of Scripture on that one. That uh, that sums it up. It's a good one, man. There's no doubt about it. So it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Um, the, the, the God is love is the, is the one that is the line, the little line in there that we know that everybody clings to, but there is so much good stuff all around that as well. So it's a great, particularly for this week, particularly for this week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was, that is, that's the first Bible verse I ever, uh, memorized was that God is love. I had a Sunday school teacher who she put it on. Um, everything, every single Sunday, she would have all these stickers and she would give us apples and they would have a sticker that said, God is love. Or she would give us little trinkets or pieces of candy. And they would have these little notes that said, God is love. That was instilled in me from an early age. And it remains the um, foundation of my theology. And um, I would posit a guess that it remains a, uh, foundation to the uh, philosophy of the people behind this movie would you would you say so absolutely i mean this uh love actually is one of my um one of my favorite movies from from the or for the for the christmas season um it's one that has so much humor in it um so much so much flawedness in it mm-hmm. too uh, that i think we perhaps gloss over during the Christmas season. Uh, but the reality of it is, is like that no Christmas goes as perfectly as we hope. We've talked about that on several of the other episodes, but there's just a reality that none of us are as, as shiny and sparkly as the Christmas season um, is. Um, and yet in the midst of all of these flawed characters, flawed storylines, hysterical moments, um, the thing that knits us all together is this love uh, that as the, as, as the prime minister notes in that opening monologue, often it is overlooked because of the tragedy in the world. Um, but the reality of it is, is that love is all around us. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, that was a great opening monologue. I don't know if you want to dive into that at all, but um, I know one of the things that that struck me when he delivered it is um, because it's, I've seen this movie, this is maybe the third time that I've seen this movie and it came out in 2003. So it's been a little while between the viewings. And obviously this was uh, fresh in the wake of the attacks on the World Trade Center and 9-11 and uh, the Pentagon and uh, all that tragedy. And he he remarks that, you know, when those planes hit the Twin Towers, uh, the calls weren't going home, weren't to tell people you know, hateful things or discouraging things. You, in, in those final moments, you think about the people that you love, you, you, you reduce your life down to its most important element and, and it's, it's love. It's those relationships. It's the people who are close to you, not the, the people that, um, you know, don't mean as much for whatever reason. And I, I think of Jesus when he's asked by the Pharisee to, of all the laws, all the commandments, you yeah. know, boil them all down, Jesus. Um, if you had to, you know, pick one to go off of that, that sums up all the others, what would it be? And we all know it's love God and it's love other people. This idea yeah. of, of love, it's foundational. Paul says it. the law and the prophets are summed up 
and the command to love one another. So it's a beautiful thing for a movie and especially a beautiful thing for a Christmas movie. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think in, in one of the, you know, in that, in that opening monologue, it's the, um, he talks about just, you know, just to kind of quote the first couple of lines of it. He says, whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow airport. And then obviously like, as we watch this movie, it's showing the, the Heathrow airport, mm-hmm. so you're which I understood to be live, like real footage um, of, of people arriving. Um, Look uh, like from, it. Yeah. It's, it's not just an acted out thing. Um, but the monologue continues general opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed, but I don't see that. It seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it is always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. And then he talks about the part that you just mentioned. When the planes hit the world at the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the board, people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. And I think that's so true. Like right now, I mean, there's been the things that will make the headlines, the things that often make the headlines are the are the stories of tragedy, are the stories of manipulation and fear and what people did poorly and like how people wronged one another and the 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 greed and the uh, the the loss of life. I mean, oh, those are all the things that are that make the headlines and yeah. all uh, the stuff that plays to the lesser demons of our nature, you might say, uh, that that get us to click and and feed into the anxiety and all that sort of stuff. The fear-based culture, right? Uh, all of these things that kind of get us tuning back in to see um, kind of the worst sides of, of of the world. The thing that doesn't really appeal to us often is just the the, the small acts of kindness and the and the grace that kind of is present in our daily lives and, and the little things. Um, perhaps it's because we just don't notice them. Perhaps it's because like it doesn't really like tell a story um, of a, a story that like you know captures the imagination um and perhaps I, I think it's just overlooked because we take it for granted so much um i think those little things too it's what i love uh, most about the trend you know with all of the on instagram and facebook and everything and all of those those sites that are more like upworthy um uh, like the the upworthy site and like the other things about good news um like yeah. things good news like that that are just the the more positive daily things to remember um that remind us of of the goodness that is all around us. And yeah. I think especially around Christmas time, perhaps that goodness comes through a little bit more so um, than it does the rest of the year. Uh, because right. people are looking for it. Maybe um, people notice it a bit more, um, uh, you know, and it particularly just being in the winter, it's a little bit darker. So you're looking for a little bit more light, uh, both maybe physically and metaphorically. Um, and so it's just a, uh, to me, this was a, this was a, a, a great, opening monologue a great reflection um whoever actually wrote it um but i think right. it gets to this heart of uh, of a theological theme that we hold close especially this time of year which is that god is love um, absolutely so. so the apostle john delivered a great monologue hugh grant delivered a pretty good one too we'll put yeah. them maybe first <laughs> and second you know yeah. in, in, in that order um but uh but both very strong uh, and and accurate reflections. One of the things too, that I always think it's important about, because again, for me, love is the foundation of my entire faith of what I think the Christian faith is all about. I think it's fundamental to why, um, God came to us in, uh, the person of Jesus as God did. Um, everything about it, I, I think, is the this idea of love is behind it. And so whenever I talk about it, I've had people in my ministry that I know have um, kind of pushed back against that in different ways. And I think that often they, because I tend to be a more optimistic person, I, I tend to um, want to focus on you know, crazy things like hope and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like some people, when, when I talk about love, they get this, have this assumption that I'm talking about, um, pie in the sky, good feelings, mushy, gushy, uh, just, just sweetness, just saccharine and, Okay, like, is there a place for that in the grand definition of what love is? Sure, absolutely. But that is not like that is 
that's tip of the iceberg type of stuff. It's in many ways, if 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 you don't go deeper than that, it's very superficial sort of stuff. It's a very elementary and uninformed understanding of of love that probably honestly doesn't go deeper because it's never felt anything deeper than that superficial stuff. And um, you know, when we talk about the love of of Jesus, we talk about a love that is made manifest in sacrifice. You know, though being in very nature God, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a a servant. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus sacrificed for his entire life and literally his entire life to demonstrate to us that nothing external that we can add to our lives, no amount of power, no amount of money, no amount of any social currency or anything like that. Um, has the power to save us. It is only in this sacrificial love that lays down one's life and one's self for the life and well-being of someone else. Like that is the ultimate expression of love. There is no greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends, right? And so I, I, how does that translate itself into this movie? Obviously, we don't have people sacrificing their entire lives for uh, the sake of love. But what we do have are all of these stories. I I wrote them out. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, by my count, 10 um, Mm -hmm. different stories of, of love happening, but none of them are perfect. None of them are this totally sweetly saccharine um type of love you know maybe one or two are but yeah 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 yeah. but there's also um, there's there's some bitterness in here and there's some um of the double-edged sword of love and i like that this movie highlights uh, the reality that it's it's not always the sweetest thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to to quote uh you two, love is the sweetest thing. What's that song? Um, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's called the sweetest thing. Oh, too funny. I you know, I, I think that what you're hitting on, Paul, is this different um the different types of love uh that, that we're that we're we're talking about, you know, the the eros um type of yeah. love that that's mentioned, uh, um, you know, one of the types of love, Eros being the, the kind of the more passionate driven one, the one of passion, which is not to say that God's not present in that, just not necessarily like that, that, um, that, that is the only manifestation of God. And I don't right, think that that's right. The, the song, of Sol- song of Solomon is in the Bible, but it's not the whole Bible. Preach. That's exactly right. Um, and then you have like philia, which is the, the type of love of like friendship, um, which I think that is, is evident in Paul uh, and Paul's, um, partnership with the people that he partnered with the churches. I mean, his love there that he has um, with his colleagues and partners in ministry. But I think that the one, obviously, that that a lot of people know in the in the Christian world is is, is agape love, which is that sacrificial love, which is that um, that deep um, willingness to give of oneself for one another. And I, and I think that's the beauty of this movie is that you see all di- love in its many different forms. Um, and, and you see love, the flaws of love too, uh, when, when, when acted out in human and in, in the human experience. Um, but I think that this also still comes back and, and points to points, uh, points us a little bit to that first John passage, which is to say that, um, God is love, right. Uh, and, and not us, um, we're not love, right. Uh, we're not the models for love. We, we don't have hold the key Our the love of God that God has for us um, can't be seen in necessarily in our love for God. Right. I mean, God is the model by which we live and set our standards. And this movie just shows how, how that's, that's so true because every storyline has a flaw. Every story has a a line, has a blemish. Um, And and even in that, that first John passage, it says um, that, you know, God sent his only son to the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, uh, but that he loved us. Like our, yes. our model again is not that a lot of times we, I think that the, the world is so mistaken, like you said earlier about um, the saccharine love, like that's the measure for what God's, like when we use even the word love, that's what people think is that mm-hmm. Valentine's Day type of love. Um, 
when the reality of it is is that the the Christ, Christmas is the is the definition of love for Christians, not Valentine's Day, right? Christmas is the holiday that defines what love is. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Easter is what defines love for us, not Valentine's Day. So it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way in which this movie, I don't think, um, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't intending to be a theological movie, um, but it does a great job of of pointing us to this passage of scripture and pointing us and, and holding up a mirror a little bit of saying like, love is a great and a wonderful thing. It's got so many flaws, um, um, but it's still present all around us and, and try as we might to make it perfect. We're not going to necessarily get it right every time, but we keep Absolutely. pursuing it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, one of the things, too, that I love about all these um, interconnected stories is, uh, well, that they are interconnected and that they kind of cover the they run the gamut of um, all different types of situations, all different definitions of what love looks like. There's there is the philos love. Um, there is the eros love. Um, and there, you know, even examples of, of the agape love in here. And, um, but it's also between people from all different stations in life. And that's one of the things that I think this movie points out really, really well is that this is something we all have in common. I mean, good Lord, is there a message we need more? Maybe we needed it in 2003, I certainly know that we need it as we head into 2023 that there is this driving force in the core of each of us that is the same, that looks for and wants the same thing. We want to share love and be loved. And I love that this is reflected from people who are rich in this story and people who are poor in this story, people who are old in this story, have many years in this story, and people who are young in this story, people who are successful and people are, who are at the bottom uh, rung of the ladder. Um, one of one of the story, the things that I just really appreciated is that is the um, that Hugh Grant storyline as the prime minister, right? The yeah. bachelor prime minister and everything. And, and there are there are problems with that storyline, I, I think, especially today as we reflect on it. And some of the things I'm like, well, what, what, you know, but that I don't quite understand. But I, I love the idea that they give just as much attention and emotional weight to that as they do the story of um, this little kid, you know, who is in who's got a crush. Yeah. On a girl in an elementary school. I mean, a little kid who would never make the papers, who none of the rest of the world cares about. Or um, the uh, the the housekeeper, the Portuguese housekeeper uh, who, who can't even speak, you know, the same language as Colin Firth. And um, and we're we're just as invested in their story in, in the the quote unquote smaller characters as we are the quote-unquote more prominent characters because at the at the end of the day they're all seeking the same thing they're all seeking to share love and be loved and yeah. that when are we going to wake up and understand that and privilege that truth above everything else because if we do we will see a different world but we have to start recognizing that that is so much more important than the things that divide us and separate us. Um, because despite our divisions and separations, we're all wanting to share love and be loved. And that's never going to change. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, Paul, you just you said something a second ago that reminds me a little bit of um, this past Sunday. Uh, so this past Sunday's uh, lectionary passage that, that people read on the fourth um, 
Sunday and Advent in this year is from Matthew, and it's the, the it, it skips over. So Matthew's the, the beginning of of Matthew is is the Christmas story, but at the very beginning of Matthew, which is often overlooked, is this uh, genealogy of Jesus, and it goes through. Um, 28, 27, 28, 29, some odd generations of people tracing uh, Abraham all the way to Jesus and like the people that, and it, so yeah. it just, it's almost like you kind of flip through the family photo album of who Jesus is before you actually get to the story of who Jesus is, which is a little bit, it, it's fascinating. And I, and I think it actually tells a very powerful story that can't be overlooked. A lot of preachers want to skip over that passage because it really is just a, a, a recitation of names that no one can really pronounce fully um, well the first time and uh, without looking them up. And so so this past Sunday, I heard a, a preacher make a, make a joke about about how, um, you know, uh, he had a classmate who would always just do extemporaneous preaching and would just open up the scripture on Sunday morning and, and kind of turn to whatever uh, to, and just begin to preach, read that passage of scripture and then preach and wouldn't prepare a sermon. It's oh, good for him. Yeah, we have, we have some, <laughs> exactly, some people, huh? Um, but the the joke was that uh, that 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 worked until he got to this passage um, and then realized that, <laughs> He didn't have too much to say about it because it was just a list of long names and he didn't know a lot, all of their stories. But I think that the 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 truth of what you're saying just a second ago of having having examples of the prime minister's love story and the little boy's love story be told on equal footing in this movie is the similar ways in which the lineage of Jesus. There are people like Abraham that are listed in there, like David, like Solomon, who are all in the lineage um, and uh, sorry the the genealogy of Jesus's family tree. But then you have other somewhat obscure characters that you get through when you start going through the Kings um, of the two different regions uh, and you start kind of seeing their um, like kind of their names and you kind of can't remember some of those stories Ahaz and some of the, the others that are listed in there. You begin Shealtiel, to Zadok, Akim. So some of my favorites, um, you know, but you, you kind of realize pretty quickly, you don't remember their story as much. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus descends from this genealogy of people who were well-known, whose stories like made the headlines, and through people who were lesser known. Um, and the the love of God is is thread through all those generations as well, through the people who are who who will forever be the patriarchs of the church, Abraham. Right. All the way through these other people who were lesser known people, these flawed characters, all of them have flaws, too. Um, I mean, this this really is a I remember Nadia Bowles Weber making this really fascinating quote once um, about um, about the Bible basically just being um, the family photo album of God's dysfunctional family, um, of the ways in which like all of there is there is no character beyond jesus in the in this book that is has it right i mean like we love david everybody loves david he's a man after god's own heart but boy does david screw it up um yeah big I, I know one guy who didn't love david very much <laughs> right exactly right yeah the uh, guy killed so so it just goes to show that like i i think that there's some there's something amazing about this. I mean, this movie too just reminds me of 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 the story of God's people, um, of all of these different storylines, all these different plot lines. Some of them more flawed than others. Some of them that get it right, get it wrong. Some of them that are famous people. Some of them that are not so famous people. Um, that who's who are all knit together by God in love. Um, whose whose stories all intersect because of love. Whose um, whose commonality uh, starts with love. I mean, it's yeah. just a it's. And I, think and I think it's I think it bears mentioning, too, that Matthew was being very intentional in doing this uh, because his genealogy, it's so fascinating because Matthew is writing to a very Jewish audience. He's trying to demonstrate to the Jews that this this is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the, the one we've been waiting for. And so you have signs of that all throughout the gospel. He's he kind of presents Jesus as a new Moses type of character. Um, he is always pointing back to scripture to demonstrate that Jesus fulfilled the scripture and that. And so what's super important to demonstrating um, Jesus Messiahship would be a genealogy linking him to um, Abraham, to David. And um, so he lists that, but interestingly, he also 
at like, I think, I can't remember what the count is, maybe five, four, five, six different times. He names in this genealogy in a patriarchal society that all that matters is who your dad was. He names women and not just like uh, noteworthy women, like women who um, are super heroic, like, you know, maybe the judge Deborah or anything like that. He names you know, uh, Rahab and he yes. names Ruth, um, these people that we know and, and, and have grown to love and respect and revere. But, you know, at, at that time, you know, they, these weren't, these weren't kingly people. These weren't people of high stations in life. Um, you know, he names Mary, of course. And um, he doesn't it, name her. He says Uriah's wife, which is also interesting just to even put, throw in a, a woman in there who to this day doesn't have a name. Right. Um, um, as being the, you know, the mother of Solomon. Right. Right. Bathsheba. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Um, so he very intentionally in his time in his culture pulls out these regular Joes, so to speak, to demonstrate that, yes, their story is just as important um, and and deserves to be on equal playing field as the rest of all of these. So I think I think that that um, that's always very fascinating to me um, that even as he's trying to be so tied to this heavily patriarchal um, structure, he's also introducing this new thing which is that no we need to um privilege all the stories you know yes. uh including those of, of the women behind jesus so that's interesting i, you know, I hadn't i mean I've, I've 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 noticed those names before but i am fascinated that he doesn't name bathsheba by name um now that we mentioned that i mean we can yeah now that you yeah if you if, if we'd have talked about this beforehand i would have looked into yeah. that a little more but i don't know that i ever noticed that I either noticed um, that now, just that he doesn't name Bathsheba by name um, yeah sorry maybe we'll leave that as a teaser for people to tune in next time to hear our hear our thoughts our, on hot takes hot takes that's exactly right um <clears throat> so what else in there man what else jumped out to you i mean you know i think that there's there's uh every little storyline has some things to pull out um i you know i think there is one of the great ones, I mean, I'll just go ahead and, and throw my cards on the table. My favorite storyline um, is uh, the character. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the character real quick uh, in the, the storyline here. Um, is it Billy Mack? Billy Mack, right, and his manager. I was trying to look up his manager's name um, okay. uh, uh, in this. But, but yeah, the Billy Mack, who's the, who's the singer uh, in, in this and and the friend that he has to, to me, that's just one of those beautiful stories of, um, of a deeper appreciation for, and, and, and points to a level of friendship that I like that I greatly appreciate. Right. Um, I mean, yes, we can talk about love stories all we want to, and we can lean on the arrow side, but this is really where this, um, uh, kind of filial love is, is seen, um, in a, in a really beautiful and powerful way. And I think that it points to me of, of, even this to me, he's like Billy Mack is the one who learns the lesson the most in this about love mm, which, yeah. and kind of about life, which is just this idea of we can be try as we might to be as independent and as like, you know, I don't need the rest of the world and I'm above it all and I don't have time for the lovey dovey and the feely stuff. Um, to me, Billy Mack is the one who at the end of the movie. Uh, comes around and realizes that like life is not meant to be done alone. Um, that we're not people who yes. are to be um, uh, people who just kind of climb over and kind of climb to the top of the heap and and you know and use folks. Um, at the end of the day, all of us are are, are yearning for that relationship, um, no matter what form it takes. I mean, for some people, it does come in the form of a um, of a lifetime partner. Um, uh, for others, it comes in the form of of lifetime friendships. Right. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's just a beautiful chip in there it's my, it's my favorite plot line um in the in the story would you say you feel it in your fingers i you feel, feel it in my, your toes in my toes totally yeah christmas Absolutely. is all around us <laughs> Solid. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh gosh uh, um so 
Yeah. And the other, you know, about that storyline is, you know, he's, he's this rock star. He's lived this crazy life. He's, you know, had all sorts of uh, different women in his life and uh, all manner of relationships in that regard. Uh, but, but yeah, you get the sense that there's a message there that those, you know, kind of, uh, Eros type of a very short lived, um, burning bright, but, but flaming out fast type of relationships that that doesn't provide the type of, um, fulfillment that the human soul really longs for. And so it is, it's very sweet that he finds this in his, in his manager, who's been with him through all these things. And, and it is, it's deeper than just that erotic type of love. It's, you know, I just, I need, I need my friend and I want to spend Christmas with my friend and, uh, recognizing that that deep connection is just as valuable as, um, any of the other types of love. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, what was your favorite plot line? I'm interested in hearing about yours. Yeah. You know, I was looking at it. Um, or what's one that stands out to you? Maybe, maybe I stole your favorite, uh, but yeah, no, no, you didn't necessarily steal my favorite. I, I, I do like the, the Billy Mac. He's probably, he might be my favorite character because, um, yeah, I love how he just kind of pops into every storyline and connects everything. Um, I would say maybe my favorite one. Mm, well, I've got maybe maybe I've got two and I'll save one for for a moment when I, I bring up a different point. But uh, I like the Sarah and Carl uh, relationship, not honestly, not so much Sarah and Carl, but uh, Sarah is the Laura Linney character and um, she's been had this crush on Carl uh, for since she started working at this office and he works there as well. And apparently he's liked her and, uh, that comes, they, 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 um, come together and realize that they both like each other and yeah. um, are, are about to begin this relationship. And then you realize that she has another relationship in her life, not, uh, that same type of love, but still a very deep loving relationship, which is with her brother who, um, has, um, you know, special needs in his life. And, um, just the way that just watching her interact with them. I mean, I think it was only one scene where she's actually with him, um, when she goes mm -hmm. to visit him at his care facility, but it was just so sweet and it was so endearing the way that she, um, provided multiple types of love for him. She was, uh, sister and, and, kind of equal there with him um yeah. but also mother you know as well and um you know just very calmly tries to hit her and no no my darling we don't do that and um there was just a talk about a sacrificial type of love i think it it shows up in her character yeah. i think there's also a message there in that you know uh, <clears throat> maybe they could have gone a bit deeper with talking about um boundaries and, and your life letting you can never let your life and your story be completely tethered to somebody else's like the, the trajectory of somebody else's life um, can't um, wholly determine you know yours hopefully you figure out how they work in partnership with each other and and so I would hate it if she sacrificed her every chance at love for um, caring for her brother but um, but you can't sacrifice caring for your brother, you know, just so, uh, you can go out and, and live your life. And so it's navigating that in between, I think that, um, is, is important. And I like that it provokes those thoughts, uh, within me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great plot line. Um, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I've just kind of the ways in which, I mean, the, the, the demands of love of our different relationships do at some point conflict, right? I mean, at some point they will, they, they will feel like they are at odds with one another. And how do we learn to like live with the competing different demands of love that are in our life? Um, not to say that love, I mean, love for all of its uh, wonderful and beautiful things is not an easy thing at all. Um, right. I mean, and I think that the boy in that, 
um, and and Liam Neeson, uh, the the two characters kind of talk about that uh, a little bit at one point about just love being a, a challenge and love being hard. Um, it's not all gushy, lovey, you know, lovey yeah. dovey stuff. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so the the other the other storyline that I really like, and this is uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about it. You you made a a comment a couple days ago, uh, well, a couple episodes ago, that um you know, has, has really stuck with me and, and, uh, given me all the confidence that I need this Christmas season, which is, um, uh, referencing the fact that, uh, you know, in many ways I'm like Ralphie and, uh, from a Christmas story. And, um, that's really given me the confidence boost that I've needed, uh, this, this Christmas. So I thank you for that. And I found in this movie, a character that is like, you know what, that's like Ben right there. And, um, I, 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 I won't I won't get too far into uh into the the stories and the reasons of why but uh there's a kid in this story um who has got he's got it bad he has got it bad for this older woman uh and and she's she's a stunner um beautiful voice very talented lovely young lady and um the poor kid has just lost his mother and uh when his his stepdad asks him, you know, what's, what's going on? I can tell you're really distraught. And obviously he's sad about his mom passing away, but he, he just shares that he's in love and it's making him sick. And, uh, you know, his name is Sam. He's this adorable, uh, little, little kid, elementary schooler, I suppose, maybe early middle. And, um, he's got this plot line of him and, and Liam Neeson, uh, who's grieving himself, uh, trying to come up with a way for uh sam to um share his love for joanna and and it's almost this you know she's she's at an unattainable level because she's older than him and and all these things and but sam has got this hope and he's got this confidence in him and uh he there's he's musical he learns to play the drums in like two weeks which i'm pretty sure is I don't no. know, not not so possible, <laughs> but we won't get into the leaps of logic that you have to make for for all this story, uh, all these stories to make sense. But you know, Ben, there's just something about the uh, uh, the the little kid who um, says says I can, you know what? That this is part of my story. I see this happening, and she just doesn't know it yet. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it it reminded me of of a hope that you might have in your own heart, my friend. And, nope. um, I just wanted to name that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we can unpack this a lot, um, and we will, um, and we will cut out parts of the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's, there was time, there was time, you know, where you just kind of have that young little, um, uh, uh, childhood crush, certainly. And we all have them. Um, but music, you know, Paul, music's the way to, the way to the people's heart, you know, it speaks a different language. And sometimes just that drum solo is all you need in life. Sometimes uh, that drum solo, sometimes a sweet little piano solo. Yeah, you know, it happens. So yeah, too, too funny. Too funny. Well, Paul, tell me, your, tell me your favorite, like, is, do you have a scene that stands out most for you? Is there a scene that you just think is, um, yeah, I would. I would love to jump into a couple scenes, actually. Uh, but it, in terms of my favorite one, I would say that um, I, I love the ending. I love, you know, how, again, all these different storylines are coming together at the airport. And, um, you know, you're seeing all these beautiful connections. And then so you see the stories that you're invested in kind of play out and connect and wrap up and all that but then you see it start spanning out and you start seeing snippets of all these other relationships that you you know all these other characters these people that you hadn't seen before and like you mentioned earlier i think they're, they seem to be just regular pe people yeah. just footage of of actual folks in uh, the airport greeting one another saying goodbye to one another hugging each other all of that and it just keeps spanning out and and you see all these different scenes of all these different types of people and all these different expressions of love and it was such a beautiful reminder to me you know we spoke earlier about how um this is something that we all have in common but i think 
that it's always helpful for me to remember like that all of this is happening at the same time. Um, like, like we are all currently in the midst of love stories, whether it's with our spouses or searching for spouses or uh, with our parents or our children or our brothers or sisters or coworkers or whatever it might be. And um, the contemporaneous expression of that through showing all these scenes at one time was just really beautiful to me because it, it just it, it reminded me that we're all in the midst of love at any given moment. We're all in the midst of this greater love story and um and some of those some of those stories are at different points so some of those stories are at the really tragic uh, the really triumphant moments the really beautiful celebratory you know um the the sam gets joanna gets a kiss from her in the airport and, and it's adorable and endearing um some of the moments are more tragic you know it's uh Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson kind of reuniting after he's been unfaithful to her, which was really, really sad and a storyline that was hard to watch. Um, some of the stories are, are anywhere in between those two extremes, but they're all going on together and they're all playing a part to paint this bigger picture. Um, they're all part of this great uh, collage mm -hmm. that, gives us a, a bigger story about the universality of love and and what do all those pictures end up doing at the end but they make the shape of a heart and it's sort of a visual way of demonstrating that point but um i i just that's always so helpful and powerful for me to remember that at any given moment we're all in the midst of this shared story of of love and um one of the things I know a pastor pointed out to me, this was in divinity school when they were talking about dealing with some of the, the tragic parts of the love story. Um, and he, he said, you know, I know whenever I'm at the hospital visiting somebody because something tragic has just happened, um, a death, a really severe accident, a really difficult diagnosis, whatever. Um, he said that I always make it a point to visit the maternity ward. So I can remind myself that in the midst of these great sadnesses, um, yeah. there's also great joy that's happening. And even if the story you're a part of in that moment is one that's characterized by sadness, if if we value our common humanity with one another, then we can find some relief and, and take a, a bit of gladness and encouragement from the fact that um, that there is beauty on the other side of this because somebody else is experiencing that beauty at that moment. And I think that closing scene just really uh, exemplified that very well. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful point. Two observations about one, I, I, um, a friend of mine and I were talking about this actually, about the nature of, of, of how um, joy is this experience that we have as a gift of God that that allows um, us to better understand. And if we're in touch with like true joy, it allows us to better understand that my tragedy is not in, in conflict with your moment of triumph, right? Right, And I, I can still rejoice with you even in the midst of my own grief uh, over whatever I'm experiencing at the same time, right? So fascinating thing. Second thing, um, just kind of piggybacking off that same scene, uh, interesting thing that I read recently too about that scene was that actually that's the first scene that they shot in the entire movie um, was the closing scene of, of all of them greeting one another um, uh, in the airport. Uh, and so it mm. came at the beginning. And I think that the, the directors knew that this was going to be such a powerful scene and was going to help to unite them in a way that the first thing that they did as a, as a crew was film in, in Heathrow and capture all of that, that, that real footage of people reuniting with one another, but then start that scene with all the unity so that people recognized the ways in which their stories truly did intersect, not just in like the plot of the movie, but also just in life in general and right. allow them to all be a part of this shared movie. Because otherwise it would really just be like film the story with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson and, and, and Hugh Grant would never see them other than at like one or two other scenes, right? Like it wouldn't feel a part of that story or like Liam Neeson would never be in the same room with like Alan Rickman or whatever, you know, all of these stories that are different. 
And so, um, uh, 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 one of the actresses who was in the movie, Martine McCutcheon, she she interviewed um, and spoke about how her, she was so grateful that they started on the very first day of filming. That's where they started because it allowed them to see their plot line as part of a bigger story and their love as part of a bigger tapestry of love as opposed to just one thread of it. Right. So, um, anyways, yeah. just an interesting observation. The, the directors knew yeah. what they were doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I, I, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that they started it that way. And thank you for the other point too, about how my, your tragedy or my tragedy doesn't have to be in competition with your, your joy or whatever. And I, I think about, did you watch the world cup final? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my great. gosh. That was, I, I was so bummed because it was on Sunday morning at like nine or like 10 o'clock, like the one time during the week, I absolutely can't <laughs> move my schedule around to watch it. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the service, uh, get done greeting people or, you know, saying goodbye to folks. And, and, and I see that it's in extra time and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, we can, we can still, we can watch this. So I take the boys and we run over to, uh, you know, a little restaurant on Franklin street. Um, and we're watching it and and just, oh my God, it was amazing. I mean, you saw it. And the whole time though, I was thinking like, this is going to, cause I didn't really have a dog in the fight. You know, I kind of wanted to see Messi complete his yeah. champion story, but um, the, more than anything, I was thinking like, this is going to be so amazing for one group and it is going to hurt so bad for the other. And so as soon as it, it happens. It was, it was just so powerful to watch that severe juxtaposition of yeah. just mountaintop joy and just soul crushing pain. And I think I saw a story about, uh, the, uh, Argentinian goalkeeper, um, going in and consoling some of the, you know, French, French players. And, and I think that that was, um, kind of what you're talking about there. Like, just because I'm joyous right now doesn't mean that you don't have um, that you aren't in the midst of tragedy. And, um, and yeah, again, just the more we can recognize that about one another, that, that connectedness that we all share uh, the better off we're going to be in this world. Right. That's exactly right. So, so a couple of other scenes that, uh, that not, not as super spiritual, but I just had some questions about um, <clears throat> what would you do if, um, you know, this is a hypothetical. Um, I'm sure your wife is a, is a lovely person and um, I have every reason to love her as a friend. But um, say, you know, I was uh, infatuated with her and, you know, went to your wedding and didn't film anything of you and just filmed her the whole time very creepily and, um, you know, created this grand dis display of of affection that, you know, was really for her and, uh, came to y'all's house, like right around Christmas and, um, declared my love for her through writing it on different signs. What, 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 what would you do? You'd, um, uh, you would have, um, you'd have some words you'd have to face for me. There's no doubt about that. There's, <laughs> I, it's it's one of the creepiest. I mean, it's endearing in a way, but it's also like you gotta have some guts to go yeah. do that. Right? Um, that that level of uh, <laughs> of just yeah, I don't know, man. It would be it would be brutal. I'm not sure we would not be friends. Um, yeah, yeah, I would think that it would not continue after that point as well. Um, yeah. Oh, it's the, you would, you would definitely have some legal matter. I mean, we, you would not be seeing our family anytime soon. <laughs> right. so. You might have a legal matter depending on how severely you, you beat me up. But um, <laughs> so weird. What a yeah, weird, that, that's yeah. a storyline that like, yes, it there's OK. It creates that classic scene. Where he's holding up the signs and everything. And and I get that. It's just the the place setting all around it is just strange and maybe you know hey we've talked about how these storylines are not perfect right they demonstrate that that love is sticky and challenging and you know i could 
Sometimes you're in love with Jesse's girl, you know, and uh, I, I guess that does happen. And how do you navigate a situation like that? Maybe, maybe that's the best way you can figure it out. And at least it doesn't, it's not like he's trying to get her or anything. He is just trying to explain to her, like, this is why I love you. I can't help it, you know, working on it, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but still, man, I don't know. That's uh that, a that's weird. a storyline that's always kind of strange to me. Yeah, it is tough. It's tough to it's you're kind of like, oh, this is awkward. Is he gonna come to the door or not? Uh it, um just painful to watch. You know, there was a couple of storylines they actually didn't include um in this. They had actually filmed two other storylines that then they removed all the characters from them. Really? I, yeah. Um it was kind of fascinating about um one is about uh, I think that there was like a headmaster of a school of the school or something like that. They were gonna kind of dive into that and um, that headmaster also having to care for their uh, their spouse's cancer at the same time, um, hmm. which was an interesting plot line. And then there was two other. And, now, Paul, I take everything which you that you read on the Internet with a grain of salt. So maybe this isn't completely um, true. But apparently there was also another one that that was about two persons who were like fleeing conflict in a different country or something. And they were trying to like escape famine uh, in, in a they came to, to England and they were trying to navigate England as as um, as refugees or something to 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 that extent. I don't know. Um, interesting, hmm. interesting plot lines, but it's fascinating how they just kind of had to. They filmed all of it apparently, and then they cut it out um, at the last minute. I can't imagine being the actor actress. Yeah, that would that would suck. That was. <laughs> hey, I'm in this movie. <laughs> I think my favorite scene um, in the movie is is actually one that's not theological at all, uh, but <laughs> but it is. It's just Mr. Bean's appearance, man. Um, oh, Rome, it's so good. Uh, where he's packaging that that uh, present. Um, it's actually in probably the darkest moment of the movie where where um, Alan Rickman's buying the gift for the other woman. Uh, yeah. It's so funny. Uh, to, to me, Rowan Atkins, I love British humor. I think it's hysterical. I like in his his just physical humor and the, the, the faces that he makes um, yes. <laughs> in packaging yeah. it. You're just yeah seeing mr yeah seeing mr bean pop up was um a great surprise and you know interesting he he's in another scene too you know he's in the scene at the airport at the end when um the liam neeson is you know trying to get sam the little guy um past security or, or, or something to um so that he can run and see the love of his life joanna yeah and uh, he needs a diversion and there's there's not one. And Rowan Atkinson, you know, kind of creates one. And it's almost like he's there as a different character. He doesn't even seem to be the, the same guy who was behind the counter. He seems very well to do and um, very wealthy and everything. And uh, but he creates this diversion so that Sam can get past security and go see Joanna. And uh, then Rowan Atkinson kind of turns around and leaves and winks you know at liam neeson and i i had read that that was actually supposed to be um and you say it wasn't theological maybe it is a little bit because originally he was supposed to be an angel and he was supposed to kind of just disappear after that like you know just this heavenly um uh, disturbance came and created this heavenly presence came and created this dis disturbance that allowed for uh, love to proceed. And so may maybe there is a little more angelic and a little more God to the Rowan Atkinson character than we knew. I didn't know that. Interesting, interesting fun fact there, Paul. Yeah. So. Um, the last question I really had is um, who's your favorite in that, na that nativity scene? Oh, you got, I mean, that, like that is did, did your does your church uh nativity scenes do they look like that never seen one um quite that extravagant um with that level of creativity i love it though i mean i'm i'm, I'm a, kind of obsessed with it um uh, me too so here's i've got a picture of it pulled up and yeah. what i'm seeing is we've got, we know we've got the octopus right cuz we saw a little bit of that storyline we've got the lobster um, yep. and there seem to be some other crustaceans with him, yeah. um, mm -hmm. a whale. Yeah. A whale with a, um, uh, 
skeletal wow. fish in its mouth. Um, <laughs> there seems to be a um, small sheep, uh, and then there is a large sheep, uh, and then it looks like there's some weirdo with like a mask that looks kind of creepy, um, like a black mask going on. I'm not sure what that represents. And then you have the angels and you have uh, the Magi and you got Mary and Joseph. Oh, and the most unsettling baby Jesus that I've ever seen in a nativity. Do you <laughs> do you remember seeing that baby face, that doll? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that's um, that's rough. That's rough. That thing was creepy. It's uh, it's quite the you know the nativity scene nativity plays um are always um some of the most painful and excruciating things to watch, but also some of just the realest ways in which the beauty of children and kind of the insanity of the moment had to actually feel like a little bit of just like what is happening right, right. Um, and maybe at the end of the day the the most true thing about um, uh, a nativity plays is, is probably a, a great reflection of Christmas is you just, you get just like the original Christmas. You just never know. Like the most unlikely thing might be the thing that actually happens. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. There, uh, we don't have a uh, record that there were lobsters, whales, and octopi present, but you know what, considering the craziness of that story, there might as well have been right. I'm sure, I'm sure Mary had to be thinking at one point, well, what's next? A lobster? <laughs> oh, too funny. Too good. So, hey, man, yeah, so what do you think? I, I mean, this is a great movie. Um, I know we're kind of drawn to a close uh, on things. Like, this is this is one of my favorites, but I would love, I'm going to punt to you, and I'm going to give you the chance to answer first. Mm. Are, we, uh, are we putting this in the canon? Hmm. You know, <clears throat> Ben, I've wrestled with this over this week. Uh and and honestly, I was leaning toward no, just because it's not, you know, the others have such a that we've t spoken about have such a um, deep place in my heart. Um, but honestly, like as we've talked today and you coming out, you know, guns blazing with that uh, passage from first John and just some of the things that we've been able to name that are so fundamental to. Uh, the way that I approach the idea of love and faith, I, you know, I'm okay if we do. I, I'm okay if it's canonized. Again, we haven't discussed the size of this canon. I don't know at what point we have to start making cuts. And and I don't want to be the Santa who's marked putting everybody on the nice list. But at the same time, tis the season. So yeah. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I... um. You know, Paul, I would have been okay if it's not in there. I would have been okay if it's not in there. I think okay. it's um to me it's a it's a movie that is uh a reflection of the nature of who God is. Um it, you know, with love uh, and and love being kind of thread through all of us, but somehow we when it gets into our hands, we screw it up in a lot of ways. Um we often can and it's the nature of God working in us that perfects that love in us. That's perhaps a little bit of my Wesleyan um hair just coming out a little bit, um uh of of uh perfect love. Um, being made known us, but but I do think that you know to me it's 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 a great movie, it's awesome. Um, but I don't think it, I don't necessarily believe it, it can go in the canon. I don't think it okay. has to. But you know what? That's okay. We don't have to. It, it requires a unanimous vote, uh, and and uh, we don't. The council has not uh, reached such. And um, and the good thing for me is you know you will have to account for your no no vote on the day of judgment and. Um, <laughs> And I, you know, I've got a good conscience with mine. So, so. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 Hey, I, I think that's all right. We, uh, we put, um, put three solid Christmas movies in there for, for this year. And, um, you know, hopefully my wife won't, won't be too mad if we don't put this one in there. Cause I do know, uh, she loves it. And, um, yeah, good. a lot of others who do. Hey man, well, it's been a pleasure, Paul. I appreciate the uh, the invitation to jump back into this and doing a little bit of an Advent mini series. Yep, so. yep, I have as well. And um, listeners, just keep a keep a lookout on your podcast feed. Uh, we do 
hope that you'll subscribe to this because that way, uh, whenever we do post news shows, they'll just upload right to um, your phone uh, or wherever you, you listen to your podcast. And uh, yes, because we, we do plan to keep doing this. We're not sure of, of exactly what regularity, but um, but when we do, you sh- shall know. And until then, we hope that uh, the rest of the Advent season is a um, joyful one for you as you expect the, the coming of God and that your Christmas is as merry as can be. Awesome. Merry Christmas, y'all. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2023. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye.